few months ago on the show, I mentioned that we'd had a home inspection as part of the buying process, and that our house had been found to have higher than normal amounts of radon, which is, according to the CDC, an odorless, invisible, radioactive gas naturally released from rocks, soil, and water. And to, like, super oversimplify it, one of the ways radon exists is being released by the decay of the element radium. So it's like a gas form, uh, and radium is a solid. Uh, Sounds safe enough. (laughs) Yeah, totally. No problem. Mm -hmm. We had that in our house, like, not a ton of it, but enough that it's technically in the danger zone. Uh, And I was like, well, why the fuck would my house be radioactive? (laughs) which the inspector responded, uh, well, there used to be a watch factory nearby in Orange where they painted the watch faces with radium. Uh, Like you do. Yeah, (laughs) of course. (laughs) This is, oh boy, we're going to find out. Like you do. Uh, As a result of, I don't know, runoff, I guess, a lot of houses in Montclair and Glen Ridge have high amounts of radon, which is somewhat disconcerting. Um, but my grandma moved into this house when she was like 28 and died in it when she was 92. So, yeah, I feel like we're probably okay. Uh, the girls who worked in that factory, however, are an entirely different story. So, it was 1917 when the U.S. Radium Corporation opened in Orange, manufacturing, among other things, the aforementioned watch faces. Radium was at the time seen as like a bit of a miracle element, which I feel like every time something is like supposed to be a miracle, something it's like always a disaster afterwards. Every time, time. (laughs) never works out. Miracle weight loss drug, you know, miracle element, miracle whatever. Like it's always going to turn out to be a shit show. Um, Radium had been discovered by Pierre and Marie Curie in 1898 and isolated by Marie in 1910. Well, it was clearly a little bit hazardous, giving Marie Curie various burns and causing Pierre to fear that too much exposure would blind him. Generally, it was believed that in smallish quantities, it was actually good for us. It was used in health tonics, toothpastes, and even cosmetics, because, as you can imagine, if you put it on your skin, it gave you a cute little glow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The glow of radioactivity. <laughs> oh, God. Just all these girls out on the town looking like Mr. Burns in that one episode of The Simpsons. Like, oh. <laughs> um, but one of its most useful applications was for the watches and clocks. And I'm sure you can probably imagine why. Uh, watches are great during the day, but what are you supposed to do when it gets dark out and you can't tell the time anymore? And this was a particularly big problem in the theater of war, where you obviously didn't want to be, like, turning on a flashlight every time you wanted to see what time it was. Uh, And radium was kind of like all that glow-in-the-dark stuff we used to play with as kids, where you expose it to the light, and it absorbs that energy from the light. And then when you take it into the dark, bammo, it glows. So... Super useful, and as long as you don't try to eat your watch, not really harmful at all. (laughs) After all, the thing about radium is that as long as you don't ingest it, it's pretty much harmless. But, and this is a giant but, if you get it all up in you, it is absolutely devastating. Hmm. 
All That's Interesting puts it this way. When radium is placed next to human cells or in the bloodstream, like when it crosses a mucous membrane such as the gums, it turns into a microscopic machine gun that gets lodged in the body's tissues. The radium then fires off particle after particle at very close range, eventually mutating and killing the cells around it. Oh, damn. That, that can't Yeah. <laughs> I do not want internal machine guns. <laughs> She's oh. got enough to deal with. Uh <laughs> and we know mutating and killing cells is not great because that's what stuff like, you know, cancer mm -hmm, does. Mm -hmm. So U.S. Radium Corps starts employing young women to paint the numbers on their watch faces using radium. They employed these girls because, of course, women were small and delicate and their tiny hands could be used for precision in painting the watches. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> an extremely skilled woman could paint up to 250 wristwatches in an hour. Whoa. Although, it, yeah, right? Like, I, I can't do math, but I keep on being like, fuck, that's so many watches. That's so many watches. <laughs> I was like, how many is that in a minute? Um, uh, too many. It's a lot it's of a watches. Lot. It's very many. <laughs> it's very many. The actual number is very many. Uh, it was more the common for the average to be about 60. Uh, which that I can do the math on. That's a watch a minute. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a good amount of watches. It's still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I couldn't do it. No. <laughs> so, one of the tricks these gals were taught in their work was to use the corner of their mouths to make a fine point on their paintbrush, mm -hmm. making it easier to be more precise. Yep. That tracks. And of course... <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I mean, that's a thing we've all done, too. Like, I remember when I was a kid doing watercolors, and it's like your paintbrush starts fraying, so you just put it in your mouth, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there you go. You got a point. Uh, but watercolor is not filled with radium. <laughs> no. <laughs> tiny machine guns. For yeah, no tiny machine guns <laughs> in my watercolors. Um, this would prove to be a fatal mistake for almost every single one of them, save for one or two, including May Keen, who was lucky enough to get fired after a week on the job and only lose all her teeth and get three different kinds of cancer. Oh, is that in her all? Lifetime. <laughs> yeah, just just that. No big deal. She did live to be 107, though. Okay, good for uh, her. <laughs> yeah, none of her co-workers at Waterbury Clock Company in Connecticut were so lucky. They wow. all died. Um, it seemed like good fun at first. While the men in the factory wore lead aprons because they were working with large quantities of raw materials, it was thought that the small amount of radium that the girls was, were working with wasn't harmful. And again, of course, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be if they weren't fucking eating it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they weren't given any protections at all, though. Oof. But they'd also get radium just like all over themselves right. and many would wear their best dresses to work so that when they went dancing afterwards, their attire would have like a beautiful little glow oh my to God. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As did their skin, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. <laughs> and people started calling them ghost girls because of the way they glowed in the dark. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they painted their nails with it. They put it in their hair. And they applied it to their teeth no. like pageant queens do with Vaseline. Oh, no. After all, the USRC assured them that it was 100% safe to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The fun was short-lived, though, as the effects of radium began to manifest. The first indication that something was very wrong came in 1922, when a worker named Molly Magia had to get a tooth extracted due to a bad toothache. 
And then a few weeks later, she had to get yet another extraction. Uh In either case, the extraction sites never healed, instead becoming pus-filled abscesses. And so that's just like the worst phrase in the English language, (laughs) pus-filled abscess. Yeah, we found it. No, thank you. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Congratulations! Um, Still more teeth had to be removed, and eventually, when her dentist opened up her jaw to remove an abscess, the whole bone literally crumbled at his touch. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Just straight up dust where her jaw should be, which led him to simply pull her left jaw out with his bare hands. Like, it just came right out. No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) It's so horrifying. I can't even imagine. For both of those people involved, that must have been a really nightmarish moment Mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. Although, I don't know, at that time, like, doctors were so weird. He was probably like, yes, fascinating. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let's do more. Let me put this in my my display case. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to make a wedding ring out of this. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) The radium had stripped the bone cells of calcium and left, as all that's interesting described it, quote, little, little more than a pile of splinters. Wow. She developed extreme pains in her limbs that eventually left her unable to walk. Uh, her whole jaw was removed, then parts of her inner ear, until just eight months after her initial toothache complaint, the tumors cut into her jugular and, quote, Flooded her throat with blood, choking her to death in her bed. Oh, hell no. Yeah. (laughs) That is, I mean, I'd like to think, you know, we all think, hey, I'd like to, like, die in my sleep or whatever. (laughs) Not like that. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's like, and, you know, supposedly drowning is one of the better deaths. I think we found the one way in which those two things are actually the worst possible case scenario. Yeah. Drowning in your own blood while sleeping. Mm. Mm-mm. Not great. But, like, <laughs> as brutal as that is, compared to some of her colleagues, like, at least it was a quick death. Oh, Only no. eight months oh, between no. those things. <sighs> Other girls who worked in the factory started developing similar ailments and dying. Uh, as well as various other ailments, like collapse of the vertebrae. Basically, one girl, her vertebrae, exactly what had happened with Molly's jaw, happened to her spine. Oh. Yeah, that's horrifying to think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Various cancers, of course, cataracts, hair loss, tooth loss. And perhaps one of the most famous effects was a thing called radium jaw. Which, along with causing your jaw to become abscessed and fall off, like it had in Maggie's case, Uh could also cause a massive sarcoma that created something that looked a bit like elephantitis of the chin. So just like this, like, like big bulbous chin thing that would happen as a result of this. Um, But of course, the company insisted that this had nothing to do with them. Pure coincidence. In fact... Yeah, all these people, I don't know what they're doing after hours, but it's not our fault. (laughs) In fact, Molly's death was attributed to syphilis. Right. Yeah, the -hmm. absolute audacity of that is just striking Mm -hmm, to me. mm -hmm. Um, Independent studies, and even one that the USRC commissioned themselves, showed that radium was categorically unsafe 
if ingested. Uh-huh. But of course, they refused to accept those studies and instead paid for a study that found that, yo, know, ingesting radioactive paint is good for you. Oh, naturally. Yes, of course. <laughs> right. It's like, it's incredible to see, like, this is obviously the same playbook that, like, cigarette people used and stuff like that oh, later yeah. on. Like, what do you mean it's dangerous? Actually, this cures cancer, not causes it. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You fucks. <laughs> um, oh, God. It was, it was not good, as Harrison, Dr. Harrison Martland concluded when he examined Molly's corpse and found there was absolutely no evidence of syphilis, but a shit ton of evidence of radiation. Mm. The company that. hit back, of course, claiming that these women were simply looking for a payout to deal with totally unrelated medical issues. Right, these these yeah. greedy these greedy fucks, yeah. right? Right, yeah, with their bulbous jaws, bunch of fakers. Yeah, uh, clearly. But these women persevered in holding the company accountable, and they did this knowing they were the Walking Dead. They knew that nothing could be done for them, mm-hmm. and that they would die painfully, like their colleagues had begun doing. But it was important to them that the company take responsibility because this wasn't the only factory of its kind in the U.S. And they wanted to protect other girls from the same fate. It was an uphill battle. Uh, Attorneys didn't want to take their case either because they didn't believe them or because they thought that the radium companies were simply too formidable a foe to go up against. Mm -hmm. No one wants to take a case just to lose it. There was also a statute of limitations of two years on cases of occupational poisoning, hmm. and radium's effects tended not to manifest till about five years after exposure. Oh. So it just sort of precluded them outright. Mm-hmm. A lawyer named Raymond Barry finally took their case in 27, but by that time, the girls had brought it. To, uh, the girls that had brought it to court were just months from the grave, so they had to settle the case out of court. Oh. Those that didn't die within a few years, like those girls, spent the rest of their lives dealing with debilitating medical issues. One, for example, was bedridden for 40 years. Her bones so brittle that she'd broken several of them simply trying to turn her mattress over. Mm. Still, what happened to these young women, dubbed the radium girls, had profound impacts on how the U.S. would handle radioactive hazards in the future. The Manhattan Project, for example, used research on the radium girls to develop protocols for handling such materials in their facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Martland became a renowned expert on the effects of radiation and helped various organizations develop health and safety protocols uh, for handling things like uranium and plutonium. And the outcome of the lawsuits in which the company was actually held liable for the health and safety of their workers paved the way for a bunch of regulations and the creation of the U.S. Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA. Huh. Wow. Yeah. But as author Deborah Bloom put it, quote, we really don't want our factory workers to be the guinea pigs for discovery. <laughs> Oops yeah. is never good occupational health. Yeah, no shit. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. 
Welcome, everybody, to another fun-filled episode of the Jack of All Graves podcast, where we are preparing you for tonight's nightmares every single week. So glad that you've joined us this week for a very special one. Our dear Mark is away uh, having the time of his life at Download Festival this weekend, uh, which is probably the longest I've gone without talking to him in the three years that we've been doing this podcast. He is off in the wilderness. Who knows what kind of debauchery he is up to, but he is dearly missed. In his place, however, we have a friend of mine, dear friend of mine that I have known since our, what, middle school days, <laughs> would mm-hmm. you say? Yeah. Somewhere in that general vicinity. Uh, my friend Xander Reddy, who has joined us all the way from Okinawa today. Thank you for, for doing that. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Um, it is 9 o'clock in the morning over here, and I assume, what, 10 or 11 p.m. over there, so... It's 8, 8 p.m. Okay, all right. here. Not so. quite as late as I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I made you do the vast majority of the sacrificing. <laughs> as you should. It's your show. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's my prerogative. Um, and Xander is so kind this week to uh, be here to sort of speak during Pride Month here in the U.S. Is it Pride Month there, too? Is that, like, it's Like... Not technically, but Japanese folks don't really know about it. Um, But uh, as you know, I'm connected to the U.S. military, so all of that is... Kind of by default. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's big within that community, but then as soon as you get off base, no one has any idea what you're talking about. So, like... Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so sort of pride for you. Definitely pride here in America. Xander has been so kind to speak about something that I am passionate about, despite clearly personally having no experience with, and that is being trans in America and America adjacentness. <laughs> um, so thank you. I'm really excited to sort of have a conversation about that. And also, you know, we both came from uh, the same church community mm-hmm. uh, when we lived in Marin County, California. So of course, as is Joag tradition, we're also going to have some chat about deconstruction and the church and what it was like to, you know, be in it and then to be out of it. So I'm really stoked to be able to have those conversations. As am I. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So once again, thanks for joining. Uh, We'll have, you know, we'll get into all that nitty gritty first. You know, what's going on? How's life? What's 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 happening in Okinawa? Uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, it it is sort of Pride Month over here within my kind of uh, circles. And so that (laughs) has meant um, a lot of nonstop planning and uh, activities and such. um, Because I I run the sort of local queer group for um, military-affiliated queer folks and our allies. And so that has meant a lot of planning. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i can imagine it feels like it's like doing like homework all of it's like when you're going like to travel it's like yeah, yeah yeah this is really really cool and fun but like i have to make like itineraries and all that right except that you're doing it the whole time yeah, <laughs> exactly it. like that'd be month, a little hard to relax you know pride month is great um it's also exhausting <laughs> so yeah, yeah like... i'm sure how did you end up like leading this is amazing because Like, having known you for so long, (laughs) I think of you, Xander, as, like, you know, kind of, like, very 
uh, reserved, not at the forefront of planning everything, not the person who's like the, like, let me organize everyone's social calendars around me here. So how did you end up being at the head of this like local organization? Oh, yeah. So there's actually kind of, there's a lot there um, because mm -hmm. uh, let's just say I've definitely changed a lot since those yes, those definitely. days right um mm -hmm. and some of that we can get into in a little bit uh yeah because yeah definitely some of that has to do with being trans and finding myself as an adult etc all that being said um in this case it sort of fell into my lap um i <laughs> was when we came here uh it was in the middle or kind of the beginning actually of the COVID lockdown restrictions. And we got to fly right in the middle of that. It was August of 2020, I believe uh -huh. uh, when we, when we got here. Um, and I was also first starting to discover the fact that I myself was queer in some way. Mm. And so I was desperately looking for any kind of community, local community and there was nothing, of course, because COVID, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. And <laughs> it it took me, I don't know, it took me a good six months to even find that this organization existed because it had been pretty mm -hmm. much, had the legs cut out from under it with, with all the restrictions and everything. Um, right. As, and the restrictions absolutely should have been there, not saying right, they should yeah. have, but they did have consequences. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just right? one of the repercussions of that. Yeah, exactly. And so... Uh, when I found this group, I was sort of attending one of what was supposed to be like one of their last meetings because the group had almost no members and the people who were heading it up uh, were leaving the island. Oh, wow. uh, their tour here was finished. So they were like, yeah, if we can't find some people to fill a couple of these positions, the organization's going to have to close down. And I was like, so I guess I'll do that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because some like, someone's got a yeah big just like neon arrows pointing at you <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, like uh, looking okay. behind myself like eh, eh. <laughs> right? but yeah it was just kind of like it was me or, it was either i take over or the organization <laughs> falls apart Fair so yeah. i was like i guess i'll do this thing i have no idea what i'm doing um but I will do my, I'll, I'll do my damnedest. Let's, let's give sure, this a yeah. go. So yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And then it ended up, uh, fortunately like me and the other few people who were sticking around, uh, who filled those other necessary spots. Um, we have taken the last couple of years and kind of built it back up into something. And I'm nice. really proud of what we've done. Like it's, it's finally feels like it's really got its feet under it. We've got, you know, I, a good number of people who are coming to our events and and following us on you know Facebook and whatever else. So it, and it feels like we're we're people are starting to recognize the name of the organization and such. It's it's a great feeling. Which but, is oh out in Oki. So out in Oki as Aww, in Okinawa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's, it's very cute. It it used to have multiple other names and. <laughs> But I, when I took over, it was in the middle of changing its name to this. So here we are. Um, nice. But yeah, so that's kind of how all that happened. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> and like I said, it, it's obviously Pride Month. Uh, and I started telling you yesterday about, you know, uh, we had <laughs> Pride here in Montclair. It's, a, it's the second year <clears throat> that there has been like a Pride festival mm -hmm. um, in Montclair. And... <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting experience uh, mm -hmm. going to this thing because, I mean, so Montclair, 
is like so it's like a wealthy suburb of new york it's like where like rich people who don't want to live in the city live so that they can commute back mm-hmm. and forth um so you know they're like stephen colbert lives here <laughs> okay. and patrick wilson and like mm-hmm. you know all these kinds of people live around here um and so it has this like i'm sure you can imagine this sort of like very like white liberal uh character right. to it right mm-hmm. which is like so you know my grandmother and my grandparents moved here in like 1954 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this street, I think I've mentioned before, was like part of like a middle class black neighborhood, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of black people in Montclair who have been here for decades, um, but who are, of course, being priced out by right. the increasing gentrification from people who uh, are coming from the city and want to live out here so Naturally. it's got that like mm-hmm. white liberalism that's like very much kind of turning a blind eye to like what it's doing <laughs> right. to mm-hmm. the area mm-hmm. or that pretends to care while also being like but i'm still gonna buy a million dollar house here right like, actively gentrifying while talking yeah. about how bad it is that the things right. are being like oh gosh it's right? so awful that it's like this you know <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. pay through the nose for insane housing prices and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like the character of the town is like really sees itself as like a progressive bastion mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And that can be like somewhat cringy and embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> right. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like, so I go to this, this pride yesterday and they have like a main stage and then they have like a, a family stage and like a side stage thing that I don't know what it was called. Mm-hmm. That one seemed pretty fun, actually. When I walked by it, there was, like, uh, a drag queen on there doing, like, it was basically like an open mic. Nice. <laughs> so, like, people could, like, pick a song and then go up and, like, it, like sing to it. Uh, and when I walked by, there was, like, this dear girl doing um, Oops, I Did It Again, who, like, she was, like, a Gen Zer, didn't really know the words to it, which I was like, that's possible? <laughs> right. But, like, you mm-hmm. know, being really coached on by, like, this drag queen is just acting like it's the best thing she's ever seen and all that. That's and, adorable. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, really cute. And that felt like I was like, yes, this is the spirit of things. Mm-hmm. Lots of really cool booths with, mm-hmm. like, all kinds of diverse people, um, all that stuff. But this main stage, like, they legit brought a cop on stage and like he didn't totally introduce himself uh mm-hmm. which was like a little sus like he said his name or whatever and i was like who the fuck is this guy right and then mm-hmm. he said something about like you know and i consider myself uh lucky to be the top law enforcement officer in this state and i was oh, like oh my god what the what? fuck <laughs> 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 Like, what is happening in front of me right now? And he, like, oh tried to, God. you know, saying, like, like mm-hmm. obviously, you know, uh, protecting LGBTQIA rights is, like, law in New Jersey and all that. Like, great mm-hmm. message and everything, but, like, mm-hmm. you're still a cop. You're still a, you're like, still a cop. Like, no no joke, Corey, when I saw you, you posted that little blurb on, on Instagram where you 
the the first thing you said about this was that they opened with a cop. I literally had to pause the video and go message you in all caps. They opened with a fucking cop, like right? at a pride event. Yeah, like, it's like just Montclair heard no cops at Pride and was like, "Well, had we considered instead, <laughs> yes, yeah. cops at Pride. Have you considered platforming a cop right. for our, the first thing we say at Pride? Have we considered yeah. that? It oh was, my I fucking could, god! I, was, I could not believe that that happened. And then, so they have mm. this host who I guess is like a a famous comedian. Clearly someone who's been involved in, like, queer stuff for ages. Um, Judy something. I can't think of what her name is. She's, but she's, like, mm-hmm. a Jewish woman in her, like, late 50s-ish, mm-hmm. maybe 60s, somewhere around there. Who comes out, and it's like, nothing, she's, none of her jokes are really hitting. Because they are very, like, white liberally jokes, mm-hmm. you know? And even this mm-hmm. audience, who is largely white liberals, is kind of like, eh. And so then she starts... <laughs> talking about how like i just came back from israel and you know uh israel has so many freedoms and like i felt like i should take advantage of some of those freedoms like maybe i should get an abortion while i'm there or whatever and she's going off on all this and like nobody's reacting and she's like i thought everyone's jewish here why is nobody like clapping or whatever it's like Ma'am, that's an apartheid state. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god. The fuck is happening here? <laughs> this, is, this is it just it just goes from bad to worse. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like she just kept on like making all these references to like Trump's indictment and stuff like that and like a whole thing about Marjorie Taylor Greene and like then they had Laura Benanti come out and do her like Melania impression stuff and like all of this is falling deeply flat. Uh, as it and, should. As it should. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is a pride it's, event. None of this. Yeah. That this right, sounds like, like it's not a yeah. Fox News roast, right? <laughs> yeah, this sounds like whatever the liberal version of like CPAC is or whatever. Like, yeah, the, I don't know what's exactly happening here. That. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was it was oh, so weird and just like so incredibly out of touch that mm-hmm. it's just like sitting there like I don't. I don't, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> um, and yeah. it was, like, on top of it, so, like, they have, like, of course, like, at most things, there's, like, blue chairs, right, for your ADA section. Mm-hmm. And, like, able-bodied white people have, like, never considered a thing isn't for them. Oh, no, never. <laughs> and so not, not people kept, like, sitting down in front of me and then, like, putting their stuff down and then getting up and dancing in front of me. And I'm like, I can't see. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You're in the ADA section blocking the people who need to sit in the ADA section. Mm-hmm, and it's like, mm-hmm. this is, again, it's pride. Like, of all places, you should be aware of shit like that, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> You know, there is a lot of intersectionality between mm-hmm. queerness and disability mm-hmm. and to just like come there and like <laughs> be completely oblivious to something like that was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I I haven't had the opportunity to attend a lot of pride events in the States, but I right, can yeah. definitely like from what I've heard from a lot of people is unfortunately like all of this is not terribly uncommon. Right. right? Yeah. Because like the people who have the, the resources to put on these events right. are often those privileged white yeah. 
people who have just never considered another thing in their lives. Yeah. Right? Like, exactly. They're just That's like yeah. ableism. They might've heard the word like, right. you no know, cops yeah. have cried. Well, but we really like this guy. So like, yeah, right. he's cool. But they're really right? nice to us. We want to have like a good relationship with them. Yeah. Like, like, no, fuck that. Like you just made an, like entire swaths of the queer community feel unsafe and unwelcome in, right. in your space with these yeah. decisions like <laughs> exactly just, it was just yeah it was kind of a, a wild situation but you're exactly right like that's the thing the people who who can put these things on come from those kinds of of privileged communities like largely white gay men are putting these things on you know and right uh <laughs> and it shows in, in what goes up there but you know like all that aside, I don't want to, like, bash the whole thing because, like mm-hmm. I said, like, walking through, like, the um, the booths and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you got to see, like, so many different communities represented and, and people who are, like, you know, fighting for various communities, mm-hmm. uh, like, all these legal funds and all kinds of stuff that were there that were, like, very cool. That's it awesome. was just, I was so flabbergasted by, yeah. like, basically it's like being blinded by celebrity. <laughs> like, being like, we can get these celebrities here mm-hmm. on stage. Does it matter if, like, they're really the people to be speaking for this community? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, on, I mean, none of that sounds like it has hardly anything to do with pride either because like when i go to a pride like pride should be about celebrating the community our history our past and it should be about fighting for our community's future that's what it should be about and it should yeah exactly note the our community like the lgbtq plus people is and it sounds like that was just like yay liberalism like yeah Or, or, you exactly. know, boo Good job us for being so forward thinking. Oh, right. Like lots of patting on the back. Like what? That's yeah. not, you know, I can, I can watch late night TV for that. Like, I don't... Yeah, exactly. Uh... I mean, I think that's like, that's such like a weird element of just like the past, like basically since 2016 or whatever, mm. that it's like mm-hmm. that sort of performance of like liberalism everywhere is like exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. uh, now that this, with this like Trump indictment stuff and everything and like seeing him on the TV and Ugh. stuff like that all mm-hmm. the time, I'm like, I legit like, he stopped being president and I'm like, I don't need to know what he's doing ever. Mm-hmm. And so like, never want I to don't... see the man again. Yeah, cause it's like, what am I like? Mm-hmm. What is it going to do? I was never going to vote for him or anything like that. So, like, and neither is anyone that I'm friends with. So, it's right. like my knowing what he's up to is like not important. And I still know mm-hmm. so many liberals, white liberals largely, who like their entire like worldview revolves around Trump. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and it's like, I like, oh yeah. God, can you imagine having to like pay attention to this guy for the past? you know, however many years no. <laughs> he's not been in office. Honestly, like... no. Like, ever, you know, I, I'm I'm glad he's being indicted, you know? Yeah, like, great. Right? Yeah, I, great I, news. I did, but, but the extent of that was basically me looking at a couple funny memes online and then saying to yeah. my spouse when he got home, like, hey, happy Trump finally got indicted for something that matters right. day. And that was it. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. That's all that's I need to know. Thing. Like, <laughs> oh, please, conv- yeah. un- until he's convicted... right yeah exactly then we'll have another day of like hey exactly (laughs) but yeah just not not relevant to my life Mm -hmm. in any way and it's just Mm -hmm. fascinating to me to watch people like that like whether it's pride or whether it's boomers on facebook or whatever Mm -hmm. just like they can't 
let go of like this figure right you know like like mm. as if that was the problem right like yeah. as if everything would be great if it mm-hmm. weren't for this one guy and we're dealing with just like i think a lot of people genuinely believe that yeah and that's really kind yeah. it's really disturbing because i mean <laughs> he's a symptom He's right. And yes, he did exacerbate things, but like he he is not the root cause of everything that's wrong in America. Like (laughs) we have to go back to our founding for that. We need to go deeper. (laughs) Yeah. There's there's a little more happening here than that. And it really to me, it kind of that hyper focus on that. Like I literally don't have the room. There is too much else going on just me trying to survive as a trans person in the world to have the space to give a single shit about this man. Right. (laughs) Right. And so it kind of, to me, it does kind of speak to a certain level of privilege of like, this is to be able to obsess over one dude. This is the, this is what you can obsess over. Like, I mean, great for you, I guess. Um, Right. (laughs) Meanwhile, they've passed 75 plus laws against, queer people in the past year right. alone and we are yep. only and he's in not June. there guys yeah it has nothing to do with he's, him he's so. not he's not heading this up um right. <laughs> so maybe we can focus on yeah. that i don't know just the thought yeah, yeah. maybe some <laughs> things that like you know matt like it's sure watch it as entertainment or whatever mm-hmm. like watching the oj simpson trial or whatever but like yeah <laughs> then let's like pay attention to what really matters in the world or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. see that stupid weird face or hear that voice. <laughs> I don't so either. like literally I don't know why people are forcing that on themselves. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Even when I am watching like I do watch my share of late night TV, right? And even when uh-huh. I am watching and and they they're like have a segment where they're like, you know, they have him on the screen literally just to make fun of him and I'm like nope fast forward I don't nope, need to yeah. hear this man I, t- I don't ca- I don't care yeah. like <laughs> hard pass yeah hard pass on all of that yeah so yeah that was that was my pride Ugh. that we had here but you know like I'm glad that the town does it and I'm just hoping that like they get some more voices in it it was also like you know my <clears throat> husband does like AV Mm-hmm. for a li- for events for a living right uh and has of course the sort of instilled in me a sense of like what av at something should be like and what's good and what's bad and it uh-huh. was like such a shit show wise <laughs> oh, as no. well so it was like just like mics not being on mm-hmm. like feedback monitors being you know mm. like blasting out the ears of the people on stage and all this stuff that i was like oh my god <laughs> did, they, did anyone plan this like what they oh my gosh it was they had this high school group who do you know the musical the prom uh no no i don't so it's a musical broadway musical about um two girls who want to go to the prom together mm-hmm. and the school basically pitches a fit and is like we're like just shutting down prom or whatever uh, okay yeah. um mm-hmm. and so a local high school uh, in Cedar Grove, put it on, and Cedar Grove is like, like super conservative town, even mm. though it's directly next to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. And I guess it's like where it's like your white flight next door. If you're right. like, I don't like progressive mm-hmm. Montclair, I'll just 
go over here. Mm-hmm. And so they went to put on this show and like people fought it and tried to shut it down, which is, mm-hmm. you know, hilarious given the subject matter of the show. They just did yep. exactly that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for and, illustrating uh, our point of yeah. why we want to put this show on. <laughs> yeah, it's like putting on Footloose and someone put, doing like an anti-dancing uh, strike outside or something right. like that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they tried to shut it down, but they eventually were able to put this on. And so those kids, bless them, total theater kids, like where you get like a little like secondhand embarrassment for like how cool they think they are and how dorky they're being. Aww. <laughs> you know? They go up and they're like working through their like stuff, singing their songs and all that. And then like they're told like, okay, you're out of time. And they're like, what? And like they're like all on stage like, but we... We've only done one song, and they like all like walk and like they're like kind of waving like okay bye, Uh, and it turned out that it was it was sound check, and they just didn't tell the kids that was what they were doing. Oh no! And so these poor kids thought that like their shot was over. (laughs) I was like, is there a director of this thing? Like why? It was so awkward, and you felt so bad for these poor kids. It was, yeah. Uh, There's much to be improved upon. So it can only go up from here. Right, yes. Uh, Next year will be an improvement one way or another. Oh, my God. Either that or, like, the stage will collapse. Yeah, yeah, there's one or the other. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. I would... I, I... Say I would love to be a fly on the wall at some of the their planning meetings, but also yeah, I probably right. would be pulling my little fly hair out. Like I don't like <laughs> I don't know if if I actually would want to be a fly on that wall. It sounds no. like no. yeah. And like um just imagine when they were like, let's have a cop talk and yes! just like somehow and I was like sure it was the answer. Yeah, was there no one in the room who went mm. <laughs> Oh, is there no one in the room to do that? Did you see that thing that was going around where uh, it was like a cop car painted for pride, but it said like something like all colors are beautiful on it. Like the artist that they commissioned managed to get a cab into the design. (laughs) Yo, I love that so much. Oh my God. (laughs) And it was like the, the like, the uh, department posted it on their like uh, their Twitter, or yeah, whatever. Not yeah. realizing what was in it, and everyone was like, "Does this? Does that say it?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, all cats are beautiful too. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. like oh my god, oh, oh that is so funny. That yeah. makes I'm here for that person. Yes, I am too. What a hero! <laughs> <laughs> they got paid for that. They That's sure a did. Beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Like, bless you. Yeah. Anyways, that was the weekend here. Um, Xander, a thing that Mark and I tend to do on here is talk about what horror things we have watched over the course of the week. Now, I know (laughs) horror is not necessarily your genre, right? It is not my genre. Um, I I have found that people like myself who maybe have a bit of anxiety tend to engage with horror in one of two ways. They either love it and use it to process their trauma or they completely avoid it. I am unfortunately more or less the latter 
So yeah. I'm completely unsuited to be on your show. Um, <laughs> many apologies to your listeners. <laughs> so disappointing. Hanging up now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'll just see myself no, out. Um, you're totally right about that, though. Like, that is, yeah, the two ways that anxious people sort of engage with horror. It's like, yeah, this is my jam. Like, feed it to me. Or like, oh, fuck no. This is just cranking me to 11 here. Yeah. Did you ever have, like, one of those, like, formative experiences of it that, like, where you're like shit this is not for me <laughs> um <laughs> not so not even specifically with something you would consider horror uh sure. but it was very scary to me um probably partly because i don't watch a lot of horror um right. it was uh the war of the worlds that came out when you and i were Ooh, in yeah. like early college like years school, yeah. or, or was late, it yeah i guess it was somewhere late in there. high school i i'm it had to have been college because I remember driving to college being stressed out about it. Oh. <laughs> okay. so, nice. But yeah, like yeah. just e- even that was like, and I was just like, because I'm, you, I don't know if you remember this movie was ages ago. I haven't seen it in forever. Right. Um, yeah. But there was that one scene with like the big walkers, like walking yeah. across this big field or whatever. And at that point I was living in Northern California. Right. And I was driving my, my little, you know, convertible it, through these big fields up on my hour long drive to college and all I was doing was just sitting there imagining like right. <laughs> these like <laughs> monstrous machines like marching towards me um yeah, yeah I mean that that definitely uh Im- impacted me shall we say right. yeah. <laughs> but like that's and not even some, horror like, really right no, like but that like that movie has some like real horror elements to it yeah though. like because those things like they like suck the blood out of people mm-hmm. or whatever right like in a very that's like true. horrendous way that yeah. I remember like yeah like there aren't a lot of movies that I find like genuinely scary that's not like mm-hmm. the that's not what I get from horror I don't get scared by it usually but I remember mm. like sitting there thinking like this is actually scary <laughs> like I've got like a little like tingle in the pit of my stomach from <laughs> watching this you know that so, actually like, makes me feel a little bit better because yeah. I just assumed I was a huge wuss like <laughs> yeah no this is not just like a wimpy response like genuinely I think that movie has some like terrifying Mm. moments to it. And I do like the same thing. So (laughs) I think I've talked about this before, but I'm not sure. But I have a thing about windmills. Um, I do remember remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I have just like a weird fear of windmills. And like, I had a dream once in which like windmills enslaved people. And so when you're talking about like (laughs) going to past like the fields in Northern Mm. California and like Mm -hmm. imagining that, like that's me with the windmills. I like, Mm -hmm. God, when I pass Livermore, I'm like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) like they're taking over. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Horizon covered Mm -hmm. in windmills. And like, I just can't help but imagine like, people on chains at the end of the <laughs> oh wow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, deeply it, troubling you know what's funny is when you mentioned windmills i did not think of like the modern windmill you know well no and my I... dream wasn't a modern oh windmill. really it was, it was those... more of like a big stone okay because to yeah. me those are very like quaint and adorable and <laughs> so like <laughs> i'm like oh okay yeah you would think until they're enslaving until, humans i mean fair then... right Completely not fair. Not so quaint. Uh, <laughs> Have yeah. I I I believe you're not much of a gamer, right? You you. I mean, I, 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 you game? I game. This is a con- so like I have a gaming podcast too with oh. Ben and Jason Helms. Well, 
Um, <laughs> my bad. But <laughs> this is like a running joke that okay. like that I'm a hardcore gamer because I really like mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like I play a lot of games and I feel like I like have like a certain range of games that I mm. play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're always like like I think you think other people play more games <laughs> than they do. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so yeah, I would okay. say I'm not exactly a gamer, but. Mark has gotten on my case about these. Like you were the amount of time you spent playing games, you were definitely a gamer. <laughs> Probably more than me, to be honest, because these days <laughs> I haven't been I haven't been gaming a lot. Um, uh-huh. But but I ask because uh, have you ever heard of the series um, Elden Ring? <clears throat> oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, so, uh, but I have not played it. Yeah, uh, those elements of like windmills enslaving people, yeah. like that sort of visual, like. Right there. Perfect. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, I've watched Ben and Jason play Elden Rings. We all have, like, mm. a PS5, so we just get on and they mm-hmm. share with me and I watch and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it, like, very much has, like, the vibe of my nightmares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I recognize this. Um, <laughs> I've seen this in yeah. a dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I also think is kind of, like, one of those weird side things of horror and i always Mm. say that like the worse the horror movie the more likely it is to give me a nightmare it's Mm, like something like well made i like i don't know i think i'd like thinking about it and stuff like that more Mm. but like really like shitty horror movies like there was one called like darkness falls ages ago and Mm -hmm. stuff like that like then i will go to sleep and like have like a weird nightmare about it. it's like something's mm. like so dumb my brain is trying to fill it in <laughs> I'm trying more. to figure it out yeah like. <laughs> right like what did you just watch like <laughs> and then it processes it in some super weird way mm. and i have like terrible nightmares about it yeah um, <laughs> that no, that tracks <laughs> yeah, that. right i have nightmares about stupidity <laughs> that oh, God. Adds up. yeah but there's one of the weirder situations that I had, this was, I've never experienced this in my life except for this one thing. There's a movie called Skinamarink. Okay. Very uh, controversial, not necessarily, in con- like the content isn't controversial. Mm-hmm. It's whether this is a great movie or the shittiest movie ever made is oh. the controversy about Amazing. this movie. Okay. I mm. deeply hate it. Uh, <laughs> Mark loves it. Um, it is the most boring thing that I have watched since film school. Uh, just a glowing uh, review. Yeah, just <laughs> awful, awful movie. Um, and I watched it, and then afterwards, I had a dream about being bored. <laughs> no, I've never had that happen before in my entire life. That it's like in a dream, and I was just so deeply bored in the dream. And when I woke up, I was like. I didn't know you could do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, what? Yeah. I sort of thought that the point of dreams was to like yeah. process things. Yeah. And, you know, right. Your, your brain is, is active while you're asleep. Apparently yep. your brain chose to not do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I have just figured out that one of my deepest anxieties is boredom. Is boredom. <laughs> I wonder if there's a word for that. You know, there's a something phobia yeah. for everything. Is there right. like boredom yeah, exactly. phobia? yeah there's gotta be that's like i just couldn't believe it i was like i woke up and i was like wow that is that's truly something so if there's anything i can say for this movie it is it gave me an experience that i have never had at any other point in my life so i mean that's something one star i guess for that i don't know do you use the letterboxed uh no 
No, I don't. Okay. I don't know. Are you much of a movie watcher in general? I know that you've recently gone through John Wick. I did. Oh, which was so fucking good. Oh my God. (laughs) I was so excited that you said you were into that. Yeah. I, um, I I just sort of missed it when it, you know, was first coming around and like, I wasn't super into action flicks at the time. I've gotten a lot more into them like more recently for whatever reason. But like, yeah, I, I was like, I kept hearing that it was good, and I think it was your, I think it was this show that y- yeah. y'all were, were, you know, bullshitting about it, and I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just gonna watch it, that sounds fun, and so over the course of a week, I watched all the movies and, and the most recent Sick. one, and like, I, I think I remember messaging you like, this is the best action movie yeah. I've ever seen, like, this is a perfect <laughs> film, like, yes. everything about, like, it 100%. was just the right level of ridiculous, but mm. then had enough like story and whatever to like keep you in it yeah and like the just acting... grounded enough yeah. to not be like the fuck is this yeah and like somehow i remember especially in the first movie there was very little dialogue actually for the amount yeah. of movie that there was yeah and <laughs> it really surprised me how well all of the actors and the cinematography and everything carried it even without right, the dialogue. Yeah. Like, that actually just genuinely impressed me. I was like, wow, they, yeah. what are they, this is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, I, absolutely. I would expect to be bored or something without, but yeah. there was none of that. I was, I was, it was gripping. So yeah, great, <laughs> great series. Yeah. I thought that, like, with the last one, I was, like, a little nervous about it because it was mm. so long and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, have they milked this franchise to the point where, like, this last one is going to be yeah. just, like, a slog to get through? And then I was yeah. like, I... It was great. I went through it and I was like, mm-hmm. I would not cut a minute nope. from this. I had so much fun with it. And yeah. And they yeah. obviously set it up for another, for the sequel. They, yeah. they didn't even, exactly. they didn't even bother to hint that there wouldn't be a sequel. Like, right, you know, yeah. the previous ones, they're kind of hedging. <laughs> like, we don't know if, right, if like, the studio is going to green light this or not. This one, they're just like, yeah. no, we're, <laughs> we're doing it full yeah. send. No, we know we can, we're going to do more of this. And yeah. I just hope that they like take the right lessons from it. Cause it's such lightning in a bottle. These yeah. movies, like, for and sure. I, I'm amazed that they've made this many of them and they've remained good mm-hmm. uh, but it's like always whenever something really good comes out it's like the exact wrong message is taken by Hollywood <laughs> and know, right? like what people want from movies and it's just like yeah it's then like... you end up with Fast 10 which mm. was i i was thinking about the diehard films uh oh yeah because like the the first two were fantastic the third one was fine and then the fourth one was like yep I see why that was the last one. Like there was, there was, was is the fourth the or last wait, one? Or I is feel there like a fifth they, one? Because then it yeah. Because I think the fifth. I think the fourth one is uh, is all right. That's the one with like Justin Long in it, right? And mm. then it's like the fifth one. I think that is like completely just fell off. Yeah, yeah. Awful. Well, I, yeah. like the first two. The second one was just retelling the first story, but in an airport, right? right? Yeah, which was great. Uh, the third one they kind of changed the formula a bit and then i yeah i remember the fourth one wasn't as good yeah yeah, yeah you're right though the fifth one the fifth one was just like i, I like after all the movies yeah. like I'm a always good watching day to news. die hard there it that is that was the fifth one yeah yeah and the fourth one live for your die hard i'm like yes yeah, this works it's fine it was and a good fine. day to die hard was like yeah it was fine but the the fifth one <laughs> it was forgettable which is why i forgot it was sure, the yeah. fourth one right exactly. or the last one um but after all these movies like i always watch these with my spouse and we always kind of talk about it afterwards and after the fifth one we both just kind of looked at each other with the exact same expression and i think he was the one who said yeah i see why that was the last one <laughs> like, and that's about all we said about it we were just like yeah that, that didn't oh, work man. 
not work at all. Yeah. And I remember that one came out on Valentine's Day, and Kia and I went and saw it. Mm. Uh, I was like, yeah, Die Hard Valentine's Day, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, came out of it just like, what What did we, we just, just watch? watch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, something else. So it continues the trend of, like, Mary Elizabeth Winstead being, like, great and everyone loves her, but Mm. every single movie she's in is trash. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't understand how someone can, like, consistently be in the worst movies on Earth, but everyone understands that she's great. It's it's not her. It's the movie movies they're putting her in. Right? Like, what is her agent doing? Or maybe that's the game plan, is, like, she shines in everything everything because it's such trash it's just so around bad. her <laughs> the the it's glowing ember stuff. in the in the trash pile. yeah like. <laughs> <laughs> like you occasionally get like a good one like 10 cloverfield lane or something like that but in general that poor girl is just <laughs> one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life <laughs> anyways <laughs> so let's uh let's get down to business here and defeat the hunks to defeat the, the huns Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's necessary. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, like I said, because this is Jack of All Graves and we have mm-hmm. some particular things that we like to talk about here. Let's let's start with the Christian stuff. Yeah. We got we to gotta go there because you can't reach mm-hmm. the Xander you have now mm-hmm. without the journey through... Absolutely. The uh, so, the religious trauma is a part of that journey, yes, right? So. exactly. <laughs> so, you know, maybe feel free to monologue or whatever, but tell me about sort of your journey through that, how you grew up, what mm-hmm. that was like, and, you know, your journey through it and out. And I'll ask questions as I see fit, but... Yeah, yeah, please yeah. please break in with, with any, any questions. But, um, so I, when I was growing up... Um, for most of my childhood, we didn't actually attend church, but <laughs> I was in a private Christian school. Um, right. There were. This was North Bay, yes. This was North Bay Christian Academy. Not to yes. not to name drop that illustrious institution, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, I was there. F- from first grade all the way through senior year of high school with a one-year break in the middle for homeschooling. Um, Nice. Yeah. (laughs) So I was, even though we weren't attending church every week, I was attending church every day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they had... And that, like... like, I'm sorry, this is mm -hmm. where I'm going to interrupt for one second to ask a question, because, like, Mm -hmm. now, so obviously my Men of Low Moral Fiber co-host... High school boyfriend Ben mm-hmm. uh, went to North Bay, was kicked out of North Bay, um, and I good for him, honestly. But, <laughs> right, but then he he wasn't allowed to go to public school, so he just ended up at Santa Rosa Christian instead. Mm-hmm. And it's like these things I never really like totally thought about at the time. Also being an evangelical, but do you remember anything about like what school was like? Obviously, you said like you're going to church every day, basically being mm-hmm. at school. Do you remember anything else about like? just what school was like at the time (laughs) oh yeah i mean the the top level stuff like we had bible class every day or Mm -hmm. yeah every day especially in in you know the younger years before your days kind of alternated with your classes or whatever um we had chapel once a week 
Yeah. It was on Wednesdays. We had chapel, uh, which I loved because we all, that was when we got to sing. Right, yeah. <laughs> which I love, absolutely love that. Um, and every single class involved talking about religion, Jesus, God, every yeah. single class. Um, I mean, mm. obviously science class was probably the, the worst <laughs> offender uh, yeah, because they're totally. teaching us creationism. Um, mm-hmm. And, but even like in math class, it's like you're wanting to do well in math because you want to be a, a good Christian kid, right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it's all, it's all tied together. And, yeah. you know, yeah, the, the teachers, that was their whole goal was not so much to educate the students, but to raise good Christian kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. So, which really ties into kind of what we talked about last week with the Duggars and stuff like that. That like ultimately education is not really important. Mm. It's exactly that. Raise good Christians. That's the mm-hmm. priority. Yeah, yeah. Uh, full disclosure: I have not yet listened to last week's episode. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> so... That was more for our for you know the yeah. audience mm-hmm. here, <laughs> not necessarily for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. again, you lived this, so yeah. it's not going to be a surprise to you. Uh, what's that what that's like but so yeah so you spent your you know formative 18 years or whatever Mm -hmm. christian school christian school um just sort of believing that all of that was was the normal way of of being a human in the world um i was sort of passively indoctrinated to like anti-queer ideas um Mm -hmm. not so passively indoctrinated into anti-abortion rhetoric oh yeah uh i have a a nice traumatic memory from that if if you think your (laughs) listeners would like to hear (laughs) let's hear it content warning (laughs) yeah yeah definitely content warning for uh some some graphic descriptions of uh yeah all of this and being indoctrinated into it um but I remember, I think this was in high school, this was one of our Bible classes. Uh, they sat us down and had us watch a video that was supposedly all about so-called partial birth abortions. Uh, yes, the <sighs> famous late-term abortion. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, as we know, it's all, it's all BS, it's all propaganda. Yeah. None of this has anything to do with reality. But they, you know, showed us pictures of aborted, supposedly aborted late-term fetuses, um, you know, very graphic stuff that yeah. literally had my, like, little, you know, teen, early teen tween self, however old I was, I was, like, yeah. shaking, and yeah, like, yeah. and they, they successfully made me very angry about this. Because I had no context for any of this, right? Like, if you're being told, like, abortion is murder, and then you're being shown, like, these horrible images of, like, babies being ripped apart limb from limb. Yeah. Like. (laughs) What are you going to (laughs) think? Exactly. I I had no context to realize that this was all just propaganda. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the formative memories that I have from that entire experience of of growing up throughout all of this was honestly being shown all of those sort of traumatic imageries. Yeah. Um, and that's what a lot of these kids coming, you know, coming out through Christian homes, that's the kind of deprogramming that they have to 
they have to deal yeah. with. Like they have that has been instilled in you in a very vulnerable point, a very formative point in your life. And it's it honestly is uh, it takes a bit to realize <laughs> that that's you know that's all that's nonsense not normal. right yeah. when did that start for you because like that's mm, a the deconstruction mm-hmm. process is often one that's like years and years and things like that and it always starts like seeds mm-hmm. uh, of things mm. like when did it start that you were like i don't i don't know about this and did it have anything to do with like a sense that like of queerness or was it completely unrelated to that it's a bit of a loaded question um it is yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Got to think about it for a second because... Oh, yeah, feel free. Like, yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. Initially, initially no. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. would say I have always had, like, sort of fought with and struggled with fitting my beliefs into the framework of the beliefs that I was being taught. Um, mm, yes. God, I relate to that. Yeah, yeah like, even... Even with all of that indoctrination about the abortion, I'll just use as an example, I fairly early on came to believe that it was still not my, even if I personally believed that I wouldn't do the thing, I was like, mm-hmm. but it's not my decision to make for someone else. We can't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. My, my rationalization of all of this was like, we can't know when life starts. There's no, right. so therefore, like, that's a decision for each person to make for themselves. And this is the one I've yeah. made for myself type of thing, right? And so, That's a pretty bold stance to be, like, maybe not taking, I don't know if you were outwardly saying this, but, like, even as a thought mm-hmm. to have when you're in the midst of all this indoctrination, that's pretty sort of far outside. That's very your own <laughs> thinking happening right there. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. Um, there was a lot of stuff like that, though. There were a lot of things mm-hmm. where I was trying to fit my beliefs, trying to make, trying to square them, yes. you know, square the, right. the round hole or whatever, whatever the phrase is. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And so another was uh, queer issues. I I really didn't know that I was. Um, looking mm-hmm. back, it all makes sense. But sure, at yeah. the time, you know, I, I didn't. But yeah. uh, I did have a very close friend who came out as gay uh, shortly after we all graduated. Um, and, like, that was another thing where I was like, I can't understand why this is wrong, but I'm being told that it is. So yes. I'm just going to sort of put that aside and, and just be like, well, I'm not going to judge them for it. <laughs> like, again, yeah. leaving it to sort of, well, it's each individual, it's up to each individual to figure out, you know, that, that kind of thing. That was kind of how I tried yeah. to square all of that. So even from way back, I was wrestling with this stuff and trying to make it make sense. Um, yeah. After... I resonate with that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and after decades of this, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, I eventually came to real like, why am I trying to fit myself into this framework where I really don't believe almost anything that's being said? Why am I trying so hard to make myself fit in this? Um, another big eye-opener for me was honestly starting to understand that racism is a thing because mm, I was very much mm-hmm. raised with the whole, you know, forgive me, don't see color. Right. right yeah. Like that. <laughs> my mother literally said that phrase. Yeah. Right. And so I, and I was taught in this curriculum, this very conservative curriculum that it was all solved. Everything was fine. We fixed right. it in the sixties. We're good. Right. Yeah. And so it was only as, you know, 
me and my friends and everybody, we graduated and people started finding their voices and started talking mm -hmm. about their experiences where I was like, I had no, like, oh, really? Like that was, that, yeah. that was happening to you personally? Like, right. I had no idea. And so that was another sort of chip in the armor of like all these things I was taught of everything I was taught, what was true? <laughs> because right, clearly yeah. that was not, if my friends are literally saying like this had, this was my experience and this happened to me. Like I had the choice to either believe their experience or believe what I had been taught. And I believed mm. what people were, you know, telling me had happened to them. Yeah. So that's such like a yeah. profound thought. Like, honestly, I think people take that for granted because you are within evangelicalism sort of, taught to doubt the experiences of the world that mm -hmm. you come in contact with and any sort of contradictory information and experiences that you have or that other people have. Um, and, you know, so it actually is quite profound to sort of look at it that way. Like I can choose to either believe what people are telling me is their experience of the world or I can believe without evidence mm. the other side of this because I know that's the belief I'm supposed to to have and yeah. you know how do you move through the world like that lots of people choose that they choose mm -hmm. to say like i deny the evidence mm -hmm. around me um and only you know believe what i'm supposed to be believe because that's faith and so it really mm -hmm. is like kind of a big thing to be like you know i had the choice to reconcile with that and ultimately chose to believe people instead yeah, yeah, you really hit on an important point, which is that we are literally taught don't trust your own heart. Don't mm -hmm. trust, yes. don't, like, the heart is deceitful above all things. Mm -hmm. um, yes. <laughs> and don't, you know, the, the world is, the world, capital W, right, is right. trying to confuse you and will lie to you. And people who say these things have been deceived and and mm -hmm. fallen away like all of this all of this lingo it's very like thought terminating you know yes. it, it's it's brick walls that they set up along your path to stop right. you from leaving the the enclosure that they've yeah, set up yeah. for you that's absolutely it and that's <laughs> such like a like all of that is i mean i think about just the fact that like it makes it so that even the thought of like, what if I don't believe this or, or things like that causes such like deep stress and anxiety that it's like deeply mm -hmm. difficult to deal with, even when you're pretty sure you don't believe it. <laughs> like this, yeah. uh, you know, mm -hmm. I think I'm happy, but I can't trust that because that's the way like people yes. will believe that they're happy, mm -hmm. but they won't be. Right. And like, yeah, I, don't, I feel like I feel pretty good. Am I wrong? <laughs> right. like, and how, like, how <laughs> yeah. can you be taught to not trust yourself that much? You mm -hmm. know, exactly. It's wild. And trying to that is why it took me such a long time to realize and understand the fact that I am trans. Mm -hmm. uh, That's it, a big part of it because I had to get through all of these steps. I had to, and I'm still working on this, like actually trusting myself, trusting right, my own yeah. feelings, trusting, mm -hmm. you know, what, that what is right for me is actually okay. And I can believe that and that I'm not like deceiving myself somehow. Right. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. even the lingo that they will throw out is that, you know, even if these trans people believe these things, they're still, you know, they're just you know, confused or whatever. Right. right. Yes, and, exactly. But it's like, I've, I've already been there 
And I, right, yeah. you know, I, I have come here now and here is better. Here is demonstrably yeah. better. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I know confusion. I know what that is. That's yeah. not what this is. That's not, that's not what this is. I was, you know, confused or, or deceived before when I was mm-hmm. within this, this framework that kept telling me that everything that I felt and believed was wrong. Right. Or, you know, so yeah. was, um, when you, uh, got married, mm-hmm. were you and your spouse still Christians or <laughs> was he ever? Oh, I don't know God. if that's, <laughs> we very much were. Um, okay. honestly, the fact that we have gone on this journey together is amazing. Like, yeah, that's huge. We both, it doesn't came... happen for everybody. No, he was, he was, uh, a student at the other big Christian school in our locale for most of his <laughs> nice. life. Uh-huh. Right. And we, you know, we met at youth group <laughs> like you do. Tale um, as old as time. Mm-hmm, yeah. And our Corey, our wedding what included worship songs. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so good. Do you remember what they were? Uh, I believe that what I don't, I remember the topic. I don't remember the song, sure. but the the literally like the topic of the song was how like we will always be true to to God and you know never fall away. <laughs> Just, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, like wow, awkward. Okay, like honestly, I think even then, I you know there there was yeah. I I kind of knew right. Um, right. Yeah, but it's yeah. kind of a like. You know, methinks thou dost protest too much, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. you're like, why? If this weren't a concern to me, why would I be have <laughs> yeah. a song here about not falling away? Yep, yep, <laughs> like, yep. It's, almost it's as if wedding. maybe there's something there I'm fighting. Yeah, I, I and I was, I was, I, I wanted so badly to be good, to mm-hmm. to do mm. to do the right thing, and that was part of it for me that I thought I had to do and be in order to be a good person in this world in order to be a good human being. Um, and, uh, yeah. So yeah, our, our wedding, our vows included religious, you know, verbiage are like, it was, Mm -hmm. it very cringe when I look back. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but some like somehow throughout our years together, we have both sort of gone on this journey, um, Mm. to where now we're, we both got out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah partly partly Amazing. together and partly as as a separate journey like i think he may have started the journey a little bit before i did <laughs> sure yeah because i remember worrying. one always has to i remember yeah. worrying about him in that way you know mm. what i mean but, yeah right and totally. then i caught up <laughs> like <laughs> right <laughs> yes so, absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah there's always one partner who has to be the like oh god at first as the other one is is journeying and then you know mm-hmm. if you're lucky you catch up, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, I make it there together. Yeah, there was there's probably a little you know leapfrogging back and forth throughout. You know, we kind of both right. one of us came to this conclusion, one of us came to that conclusion, and eventually we sort of got there. So yeah, yeah. And I know that like he's been quite supportive. Yes. Throughout this this sort of journey, Very and has that so. been kind of like you know as you've grown out of all of this stuff and everything, has that been kind of your experience of people largely like been on board for the most part. I don't even know if you like how connected to like church people or anything like that you even were as an adult, but you know, yeah. in general, have you found support? 
I have found a lot of support. I haven't found yeah. support from the same group of people because obviously mm. they would think that I have fallen away and, sure. you know, been been converted to transgenderism or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, one of the things no, that brother. my mom said when I was trying to come out to her, which is a whole story we can get into if you like, but um, mm-hmm. was, I don't know what your new friends are telling you, but... Oof. Right. And, and this, I hadn't mm-hmm. even talked to her about my social circles. This was just an assumption right, yeah. that she made yeah. that there are people around me who are like influencing me. Right. Right. But this yeah. isn't my, like my precious child certainly wouldn't have come to this conclusion on their own. Exactly. Like... Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was the, the liberal college and mm-hmm. the, the, the evil, you know, queer people around him that are <laughs> influencing right. him in this way. Right. So yeah, so I guess to answer your question, I have definitely found support and I've found community and I found a lot of folks who are, you know, like-minded in a lot of these things um, and some of whom are ex-evangelicals like yourself who we can right, kind of yeah. relate to on this stuff and and that's very helpful. Um, I'm not really in touch with hardly anyone else from, from the old sure. days. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Understandable. Yeah, there's like <laughs> given those communities. I do I do have one friend, I think I I can only really think of one and he and I talk every so often. Um mm-hmm. but like, you know, busy life, different countries, etc. Right, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> we all yeah. have, you know, distant, you know, relationships and stuff. Yeah. Um and and feel free to not answer whatever, but has mm-hmm. that changed with your mother over time or is this still kind Kind of an ongoing, you know, thing to deal with. And if so, how have you either brought her to understanding or how do you deal with mm-hmm. not being on the same level? Yeah. Um, so we're currently no contact. Uh, mm-hmm. My my decision. Um, yeah. I'll go back a little bit to the beginning here. Of, sure. Of yeah. Yeah. My Please do. Sort of how this came about. Um I can't. I had kind of had to come out to her before I was ready. I was still sort of figuring mm, myself I do vaguely out. Remember this, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I was kind of figuring myself out. Um, she found my Instagram, and it's like the worst possible way, right? And like, cool, cool, cool. Not that I was super loud about it on that particular platform. Like, if she'd found right. my Twitter, holy shit! Yeah. But <laughs> for real. But um, but no, she found she found my Instagram, and on that platform, this was pre-physical transition for me so I actually had a an artistic rendition of myself that I had drawn that was sort of my imagined like post transition self and I had like a you know trans flag up behind and I think at that point I'm not I'm not sure which pronouns I had in my in my bio at that point because my my (laughs) pronouns journey went from she her she they 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 uh (laughs) he they he, right. he him like I literally right, went yeah. down the entire pipeline at one time or another I was using all of those sets of pronouns throughout my journey yeah. I don't remember where I was in that you're a conservative's nightmare I really am like beware the pipeline um <laughs> so but but yeah so she she found that and I basically was like well I guess I have to tell her something and I hadn't really landed I hadn't I didn't feel settled on who I was but right, I sort of yeah. so at that point I kind of came out to her as non-binary um, mm-hmm. because I knew that like I knew I wasn't cis <laughs> like right, I, yeah. c- cisgender for any of your audience who doesn't know what that means just means right. not transgender um, right. I knew I knew I wasn't cis but I didn't really know the 
the extent. I didn't know where I was going to land. So I kind of came out to her as non-binary. And I think I told her at that point that I was using they, them pronouns uh, and occasionally even he, him pronouns. And one of the things that she said in response to me was, I will, and I, I sort of tried to, I tried very hard to lay out a game plan for her that was acceptable to me. I was like, mm-hmm. here's the bare minimum that that is necessary for for this relationship to continue to work. Right. Yeah. And then also, here's some things you can do that would be like actively supportive. Mm-hmm. I, I really tried to lay it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Smart. To her credit, she she did change to the name I was using at the time, which I no mm-hmm. longer am, uh, had a, a transitional name as well while I was figuring okay. myself out. She did yeah. change to that. Um, and she said, I will try to use they, them pronouns and to understand okay. this. She said something like this new idea of yours or something like that. Uh, right. but I will never refer to you in the masculine. I believe you are a woman. Hmm. That's, that's tough to hear. It was very, yeah. And that honestly, of all the things that were said, there were emails that went back and forth. There was conversation and everything else. But that one phrase is the one thing that really stuck to me. Because if she said right from the outset, I will never do X. And here I've Mm -hmm. come along in my journey and I've realized I'm a trans man. Um, She's already told me that she... Right. Like she already said it out. It's there. a definitive statement. Yeah. Very definitive, very straightforward, very like this is this is my line. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm on the other side of that line now. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I'm sorry. But... Yeah. It is unacceptable <laughs> to refer to me as someone I am not like period. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Like I, you know, so um, all that to say, yeah, we I really chose to stop communicating uh with her um part of the back and forth that was happening was definitely a misunderstanding on her part of the power dynamic of Mm -hmm. trans versus cis uh Mm -hmm. mother versus child um she she's never been super good at understanding that power dynamic um, sure (laughs) unfortunately Mm -hmm. and she was putting her difficulty with accepting my identity on the same level as of importance as my identity. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's a really good way of putting it. She's, you know, struggling through it. And I, I get that it takes time that, that it Mm -hmm. does. People need to be given an opportunity to kind of work through things. They shouldn't, but they, but they do. Right. Um, Right. Yes. That's just humans are humans. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, but it was very difficult for me. It felt like I couldn't explain to her any of the dynamics of like oppression, basically like Mm -hmm. what, what I'm actually dealing with. It's not okay for someone to deny an element of your core being and then Mm -hmm. claim that their denial is just as valid as, as your existence. It just yeah. doesn't work. And it's very difficult right. to explain that to someone who's never experienced any type of of that yeah. interaction, right? Like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a, yeah. Absolutely on point. Yeah. So yeah, so that that was kind of why I stopped having the conversations because I didn't yeah. feel like I could 
make any inroads after a certain point. And like, if she is continuing to go on her journey and eventually is able to kind of come around on her own, then I would be open to that. But there's only right. so much emotional output that an education that I, I can like take on in my right. capacity yeah, exactly. of existence. And so that's, yeah, that's kind of where and I do feel guilty about that sometimes full disclosure. Sure. Like I, I often feel like, well, did I do enough? Should I, you know, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Um, I have a great therapist, though. <laughs> Good, yeah. I was going to say, like, how did you come to this point, right? Because mm-hmm. I know uh, certainly there are people who listen to this who are gender nonconforming and mm-hmm. trans and things like that. Um, and, you know, I'm in a lot of, like, groups and stuff like that uh, of people who have gone through stuff like this. And that, like, decision to set boundaries for yourself and to stick to them and to go no contact when there's, like, mm-hmm. you know, too much being asked of you and not enough from them. Like, that's mm-hmm. a hard decision to make. And so, you mm-hmm. know, is it mostly therapy that helped you to <laughs> be able to make those firm boundaries? I mean, yes. <laughs> it really did help <laughs> a lot. Um, and I will mm-hmm. say to any of your listeners who who might be listening to this um, and in in a similar boat, either decision is perfectly valid and okay. Mm -hmm. Like whether you want to keep working at the relationship, whether you want to cut it off entirely, or just whether you want to find some balance in, in between there of, of, Mm -hmm. you know, less contact, a little more distance, but not completely cutting them off. Like any of those are perfectly valid decisions. Um, What my therapist helped me to realize, and this is something that goes back to deconstructing some of that evangelical nonsense, is that I'm always moralizing everything as to, Mm. like, what is the capital G good thing to do? What is the right (laughs) thing to do? Mm. And I do that at all levels, from things that are super important to things that don't matter at all, right? But I relate to this as well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because everything is like, what would Jesus do, right? Uh Like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. The bracelets. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I wore them. Yep, so did I. I had a Bible, WWJD Bible. (laughs) Oh, God. I had a teen study Bible. I was pretty cool. Yeah, so. yeah, same, same. We were we were vibing with the cool kids. Oh man. Um, oh, but rough. but yeah. So so my therapist is often trying to help me to realize that it isn't always about what is the capital G good thing to do. It is what is the best right. thing to do for you. Like, mm. what are you actually getting out of this relationship? What do you want out of this relationship? And how much of that is in your control? Yeah. And so trying to sort of reframe it to more of like, what's the outcome that you're seeking was Mm -hmm. really helpful for me. And yeah, (laughs) like, as opposed to like, what is the right thing to do? And that's not to say that there isn't, you know, a right, you know, I'm not trying to like say that there's never a right or a wrong thing to do, but in a lot of these (laughs) interpersonal relationships, um, you can't be responsible for the other person's emotions you can't mm-hmm. be responsible for the other person's reactions. And so if you do what you feel is what you have to offer, it's the best that you can do to whatever capacity you have, um, you can choose to stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can set that boundary and be like, I, I did what I could do. And there is not really, I don't see this progressing 
Yeah. So we're, we're going to stop. I, I, this is so interesting, like, because it goes straight to also what you were talking about with, like, power dynamics and things like that, too, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things that we see in people, um, like, really having these knee-jerk reactions to trans people and to the idea of chosen family and things like mm-hmm. that is, like, it's a loss of power, right? That it used to be mm-hmm. that your parents and your church and, like, you know, all these authorities over you... Uh, could control your emotional state could uh you know you were supposed to take it and you had no choice in yes in that right you're honoring your mother and father you Mm -hmm. know you're honoring the people placed in authority over you uh and that often means people being allowed to uh, bulldoze over your boundaries and mm-hmm. to, you know, be able to say to you something like, I will always, I will never mm-hmm. acknowledge that you're not a woman or whatever, you know, right. like, because mm-hmm. that is a thing that she has the authority to say. And it freaks people out that now their children are going, you don't actually. And I can choose mm-hmm. not to, to, I can choose to have that boundary and yeah. to break that power dynamic. You don't actively have that power over me. That's mm-hmm. a huge, huge like power slippage that people are not really prepared to deal with. I think that is, that is exactly true. That's such an insightful point because <laughs> yeah, that's, um, she had a lot of power over my emotional state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm able to say that in the past tense now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is, absolutely. it's, it's a big thing. And one of the things that, another thing that she said to me when I was trying to set these boundaries, um, and I was trying to just be straightforward as gentle as I could, um, but firm, right? Mm-hmm. She called me cruel. Mm, right. For doing so. Yeah. <laughs> because from yeah. her perspective, I am rejecting something that she felt that she had, like you say, the authority to do. Mm-hmm. It, right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. How do you set boundaries with someone and have a healthy relationship with someone who views any pushback as cruel? Right. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. You really can't. Yeah. That's so. what I've always said about my mother is that, you know, she sees boundaries as an act of aggression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and it really is. It's hard to kind of like r- interact with people and continue to have relationship with people who will tell you that any attempt to, you know, make your own boundaries and things like that is is hurtful and cruel and in, like some mm-hmm. sort of intentional slight to them as opposed to seeing you as an autonomous person with your own feelings. <laughs> right. That, Right. It's cruel to deny. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to set a boundary of like, you need to refer to me, you know, in this way. That is my boundary. And then she will come back and say, okay, well, here's my like counter boundary. Like she tries right. to negotiate this. Yeah. Right. It's and not then, how this works. Yeah. It's and not if the I'm Wolf like, of Wall Street. Yeah. Like, sorry, that's, <laughs> that's not how, yeah, that's not how this goes. And then she just gets angry and expects mm-hmm. me to sort of cave to that. And I'm not yeah. willing to do that anymore. Yeah. So Yeah, that's great. I'm very glad to hear that, but also like of course that's such you know, there's always going to be like a sense of loss there too until Mm -hmm. hopefully she figures her shit out and comes around. But yeah, you know, that's kind of like the the double edged sword of finding your own community, right? And finding Mm -hmm. your own chosen family is the the hard part being those who get who you have to for your own survival sort of leave behind, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I've been very fortunate to have found pretty good support network. Um, I've got yeah. some great friends and mm -hmm. chosen family and so, you know, that's awesome <laughs> for me. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, totally. I'm very like privileged in that way. Um, mm -hmm. Not everybody has that. Uh, and it's given me quite a, a foundation. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, d I want to sort of talk about like the joyful elements uh, of this mm -hmm. experience too. But before we sort of get to that, I want that yeah. to be kind of our, you know, where we go on our journey here. Mm -hmm. But like now, obviously there's just so much happening. What scares you? What is going on that we should be like paying attention to? Like what, what is scary about this experience right now? God, so much. Um, yeah. It's big and it's complicated. And I wish I could give you a quick soundbite sort of an answer. Sure. But, um, <laughs> Figuring out where to start on this is difficult. Take your time. They yeah. No need to rush the thought. <laughs> Trans people right now are being used mm -hmm. as a moral panic. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a fascist technique, mm -hmm. not to overuse the term or anything, um, but... It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah I, I read a book uh, recently... Uh, called uh, shoot I'll have to get it free for the show notes but it was basically sure. like explaining fascism and very like it was very readable you know it was mm -hmm. like 10 points of I read laser. this same one yeah okay. <laughs> that you put it, I'm like I absolutely read this and I can't think of what it's called it's got either, like a tan but... cover with like a red yeah. border yes. and that's yeah. the one <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah yeah it, we'll we'll figure it out and we will put it in the show notes for people <laughs> perfect um but yeah and one of the things that it talks about is like uh sexual panic is mm -hmm. one of the you know and and moral moral panic but specifically centered around like sexuality is yeah. is literally a technique that mm -hmm. fascist uh people following this sort of fascist playbook will use yeah. um they have latched on to trans people because we are a very small minority we're like one to three percent of the population right you know for all that they're blowing us up and putting us all over the news yeah. and all over everything else and and people are coming out at a, a higher rate than than they were um of course yeah but we're still this tiny tiny minority of people so mm -hmm. we don't have the sort of the the, the force to to mm -hmm bulldoze through this rhetoric right right so they can point to us and say look at these scary deviant people look mm -hmm. at these you know terrifying predators who are confusing your children and, right. and all these sorts of things right and so they're finding all these ways to do this um drag is something that they are trying to focus on right now um i don't know if if uh i'd mentioned to you but we were um, going to put on a drag show at the airbase that I'm connected to here in Okinawa. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was uh, on the first day of Pride. Uh, right. The Pentagon decided to put out a directive that drag shows are no longer allowed on bases. And like... Absurd. <laughs> it's completely absurd. Um, and what scares me about that, though, is that 
they didn't define drag, right? Mm, right, yeah. So any gender non-conforming person walking down the street could be seen as being right. in drag, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't... Looking at drag as this is this big, scary, terrifying thing, assuming that it's always sexual, that it's always, right. you know, that it's inappropriate for a government installation, which is what that mm-hmm. comes that that's what they the verbiage was that that it's inappropriate use of government installations. Mm-hmm. Um, on the one hand, you know, it's not going to affect, I'm sure, a lot of your listeners who aren't connected to the military, et cetera. But it's a symptom right. of this larger belief that drag and gender nonconformance in general is a threat and that we are threatening that anything about queer culture that doesn't sort of conform to expectations of like cishet whatever culture needs to be hidden and put back in a closet right and that's what's so terrifying that these people that that was like almost set on a whim the, right like, at this congressional hearing, this Pentagon official was like, "Oh, I didn't even know that was happening." And then the <laughs> Jesus Christ. yeah, and then the the conservative pulled out like some flyers and was like, "See, it's happening." And they were like, "Oh, well, that's not appropriate." <laughs> like there was no <laughs> right, yeah, right. And so, this where was the threat here? It was yeah, simply, uh, that, like, so, oh. Okay, I guess we can't do that. Guess we can't do that anymore. Like without any any understanding of how that impacted and and the folks like within my community were just really hurt by that, by the leaders, the leadership's just complete lack of concern and lack mm-hmm. of understanding and lack of standing up for them. Right. Um, and that, that is really scary because mm-hmm. like I say, I think it's symptomatic of these people in power who do not understand. They mm-hmm. either don't understand or don't care. Right, exactly. It's it's convenience, political expedience. Yeah, doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what the if it weren't you would be a different target. Exactly, you know, like some other group that they can use a scapegoat, but they mm-hmm. just simply do not give a shit. They don't. They don't give a single shit, and people are falling for this nonsense. They are mm-hmm. genuinely believing that it's about protecting the children, all these sorts right. of things. When it is the exact opposite of protecting the children. Right. Like they 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 seem to these people will put out this rhetoric about you know we're trying to trans the children or whatever we're trying right. to confuse like kids. There is not a single queer person I know who wants anything for kids other than for those kids to find who they are. Whether right. that is yeah. a completely like cisgender heterosexual, absolutely like you know, however. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, the, the queerest person you've ever met. Like, right. all we yeah. want is, is for people to find themselves and be comfortable with themselves. We don't want to turn gay kids or, or straight kids gay, right? We don't want to right. turn cis kids yeah. trans. In fact, as a trans person, I think we understand better than anyone how incredibly damaging it is to be forced into a gender that doesn't fit us. To right, be forced yeah. through a puberty that doesn't fit us. We would never do that to anyone. Right. And, and, yeah. but people think That's that, such a good point. Yeah. Like, like, why would you, like, an experience of, like, dysphoria, why would you force that upon someone else? Yeah. Like, that doesn't, you have to assume just the absolute worst motives of people to think mm-hmm. that you want someone to experience, you know, something like that for 
who knows what the what the end game is supposed to be like is it yeah. like body snatchers like what, is, <laughs> what happens once all the kids are trans i don't know what the end game is supposed to either. be here yeah maybe we're just that's how we take over like I yeah don't. right <laughs> like i don't understand it but yeah I, I think that a lot of people don't really really realize that the flip side of gender dysphoria that the trans people go through is that yeah if you have a cis kid and you force that kid to like be trans like they're not right. going to be first of all but if you force them through yeah. any sort of physical transition that they are that's not right for them then they will have gender dysphoria right yeah that like you're yeah so anyway um you asked what scares me i mean everything all of this yeah, sure. is absolutely terrifying um the fact that a lot of people don't even realize that this is going on or it's only mm -hmm. at the barest like periphery um is very scary um a lot of folks who are very well-meaning and call themselves allies uh, basically just mean that they aren't actively bigoted. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of which, the extent of the activism is just not yeah, being a bigot. <laughs> which is like, that's a great baseline to start yeah, from. Good start. Yeah. <laughs> but we need a lot more. Um, when I was talking to some cis friends of mine recently about the drag show being canceled, which caused us to have to scramble and try to find an off-base venue and try to, like, do all these things while we're, you know, feeling the the weight of it and everything else. And, and this dude, I should probably call him more of an acquaintance, I don't know him that well, but he was, like, well-meaning, but he's just like, well, don't let it get you down, and you need oh, to God, keep yeah. fighting and all this. And I'm just like, dude, we know. He's yeah. like... He's like, don't let them shut you up. And I'm like, we know this. And I understand yeah. that your heart is in the right place. But what we need is to hear from our allies that you're not going to shut up. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. we're not going to shut up because we don't have a choice. This is my every yeah. single day. Mm -hmm. Our allies need to also not shut up. And they need to right. tell us that they're not shutting up. Right. Yeah. That that is. That's what we need, because we're not enough. Like I said, we're a tiny minority. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's that's exactly why, you know, trans people are such an easy target for fascists. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like in any situation, you know, where you kind of you have a marginalized group at the bottom that mm -hmm. cannot fight that you pick, you know, to uh, enact these things on and, yep. you know, get everybody on the same page rising up against them. And one of the things that I've, I've thought in this and I've talk to other friends about this stuff that like a lot of times we feel very helpless you know mm -hmm. um yeah. i live in a state that actively has trans protections enshrined in our law mm -hmm. um while i know many of our listeners and many of my friends and things like that live in places like tennessee and texas and florida that are um stripping these things away and one of the things that i you know sort of look at is like at least by constantly talking about it mm -hmm. that my sense is that I am putting out to however many people follow me or whatever mm -hmm. these, you know, I don't want them to catch the bug. I don't want them to catch the fascist bug mm -hmm. to fall for that propaganda. And the one thing I know that I can do is just constantly fucking talk about it <laughs> so mm -hmm. that I don't like, you know, I don't want anyone I know to fall for this. I want to be constantly countering that, mm -hmm. that information, but it can still, you know, feel helpless and I'm not asking you to solve this obviously right um but you know as these kinds of things are happening is there stuff that you wish cis people would do like you know like <laughs> yeah. whether you are in a place where you can get very complacent like New Jersey and think I don't have to 
say anything because it's fine. Mm. People can escape to my state or whatever. Mm. Or you're in a place that, like, you know, actively things are being done to to hurt trans people. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that you're like, ah, cis people, fucking just do this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a couple different levels to that. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is absolutely what you're doing, which is mm-hmm. to keep talking about it to platform trans people, um, right. to to listen, just just to ask the questions and to listen to to mm-hmm. what we're dealing with. Um, because it's honestly, it's a constantly evolving situation too. You know, a month mm-hmm. from now, I might give different answers. Right. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, like just keep the, the conversation open and keep talking about it is very important. Um, and on that same sort of interpersonal level of whenever you hear anything transphobic, say something like don't just let it mm. slide. And even if mm-hmm. it's just little like I think some things people might not even understand or might not even catch at the moment are transphobic. But, you know, jokes about any kind of gender nonconformity like that right. kind of stuff. Uh, the splash damage is gender nonconforming people, trans people, non-binary people, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so just not letting that kind of stuff slide, uh, and that, and obviously the more obvious rhetoric when you hear it as well is very important. Um, mm-hmm. It it pushes back, which is important, and it also lets anyone around you know who may or may not be out. You might know mm-hmm. queer people and mm-hmm. not know that you know queer people, right? Because yeah, right now a is really a good scary point. time to come out as trans. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of friends who are not out yet, and they're just around, like, surrounded by this all the time. But Right, like, yeah. So speaking up is is very important. Doing the little mm-hmm. things, putting the, you know, the pronouns in your bio or in your email right. signatures, all those sorts of little things. They are very important. Um, other actionable steps, contacting your representatives. And honestly, even if you are in a place where your representatives are supportive, where you already have trans uh, protections in place, continuing to every so often say something anyway, right, mm, um, mm-hmm. is important because they're still hearing from the people who are against this stuff. Yeah, that's true. Right? Mm-hmm. So they, if if they believe that the wind is shifting, then yeah. so, so too will they. Um, yeah, and so that's it, a really good point. It is important to, to do that even if you're like well this person's already on board so i don't really need to Mm. say anything you 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 probably do um when stuff comes up uh and there's also differences you know between the state level and the federal level um because yeah okay your state has protections not everyone has the luxury to be able to flee you know right yeah exactly like which i'm sure you know but just (laughs) you know putting that out there like yeah it's expensive. It's hard to pick up your entire life and move and hope you find yeah. a job and like a house. And you when, shouldn't have to. Like maybe it's where your family's to. been for decades or something. Exactly. Like that. You absolutely should not have to do that. Um, and so getting protections at the federal level is very important. Mm, um, yeah. So contacting your state representatives to pressure the federal level, contacting your federal level representatives, um, these are all things that. It feels like a drop in the bucket, but sure. enough drops and you have a bucket, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's a valid point, you right? Know, so all of these these sorts of things, keeping up with whatever you know news you can about this stuff so that you know when to speak up is also important. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think a lot of folks, you know, 
even even within the military population, I don't think a lot of folks even know what happened recently with the drag drag show banner sure, bases, yeah. right? And so who's pushing back on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's plenty of other examples that would be, you know, more broadly applicable. That's just the one that's in my head right now. Right, I'm yeah. Dealing with it. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, you, if you don't know about the issue, you don't know to say something. So yes. That's a really good point. <laughs> staying, yeah. staying up to date on it, it can feel... It can feel useless because you're just like, what good does it do me to know this? Um, right, yeah. But especially as an ally, uh, it's it's important to know what's happening so that you know you can push back. And a lot yeah. of trans folks, um, it's exhausting for us to keep up with it. Um, mm-hmm. I personally dip in and out because yeah. it's like I... I had to cancel my subscription to the New York Times um, because they were publishing transphobic articles after yeah. transphobic articles yes um, constantly some of them in their opinion section and some of them literally was just their news section but with a, a very obvious bias right against yeah. us um mm-hmm. and so like yeah it's hard to it's hard to keep up with i will say uh for for your listeners the ap the associated press is actually doing a great job um, oh okay that's good to know yeah yeah uh, i've i've they're the only one first it First, I canceled the Washington Post, and then I canceled the Times, and now nice. I'm I'm following the the Associated Press, and I've actually I actually been... do know that that's a thing that several of our listeners have been concerned about. Mm. So you know mm-hmm. that's good to know that there is you know a news source to look at that at least seems to be trying or you know yeah. not just blindly putting out transphobic nonsense. Yeah, I you know and and I say that hedgingly because. Sure. Yeah. You never know what the next article will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but up until this point, uh, like I get I get notifications on my phone for things, and the notifications from the Times were always like, "Are the children being transed? Like, are the <laughs> right, concerns yeah. real? Like those sorts of just yeah. asking questions sort of things." Yeah. And then the stuff from the AP is like, "Oh hey, guess what? The Human Rights Commission, Human Rights Commission. Uh, this this is true, by the way. This happened on last Tuesday, I think." Uh, I might have the day wrong, but within the last week, the the Human Rights Commission just declared a state of emergency for queer people, LGBTQ people uh, in the U.S. for the first mm-hmm. time ever because yeah. of all of this, right? And and it's... that's the type of thing that the that the AP is putting out. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. So I would say you know they're at this point at least they seem to be a fairly good fairly good source um (laughs) there's certainly i don't wake up in the morning and feel like i've just been slapped when i check my notifications (laughs) so at least not by the news source maybe by the rest of what's actually happening but yeah (laughs) yeah definitely yeah i think you've raised like like very good points here in terms of the importance of pushing back in whatever way that is and that means knowing what's going on mm-hmm. um you know so that you know what to push back against mm-hmm. the idea that you know when you do push back you don't know who is listening and is realizing that there is someone safe uh mm-hmm. you know and that you're you know someone they can trust you are an ally of them the idea that you're also showing bigots that you're an unsafe person Mm -hmm. to be a bigot around as well you know i've talked with my husband about this a lot because you know he works with um 
a lot of like very conservative guys from mm-hmm. Texas a- mm-hmm. and he's exhausted all the time from trying to push back against all yeah. the bigotry that they spout all the time. But I've noticed it's like when I am there, <laughs> they shut the fuck up. And it's like they kind of have a sense like, I mean, bigots are cowards at their core, you know, like and that's the thing that we have to realize that like, you know, if they don't have a gun in their hand, they are absolute cowards. Mm -hmm. And that when you push back against them, like they don't know what to fucking do with it. So it's like when someone, you know, tells the transphobic joke or makes the offhanded comment or whatever, and you say to them something like, you know, like. Oh, you want to elaborate on that? Or, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like... Exactly that, why like, is that funny? Like, yeah, like please explain to me. <laughs> right. And it's like yeah. most of the time they're like, fuck, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, and, and just the idea that, like, everything requires pushback. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's something that uh, people are, it, are due to know and that you've really sort of elucidated in some great ways here the many contexts context for which that is whether interpersonally whether in terms of contacting a you know safe representative seemingly you're right this shit changes with the wind mm-hmm. uh based on where they see their funds come from and what they think their constituency wants so make sure they know that your constituency right. uh are not a bunch of bigoted assholes you know like mm-hmm. all these ways in which i think it is easy to become a complacent ally to think you know like mm-hmm. i am not being a bigot and therefore my work here is done just to say like no yeah. you do need to actively push back because if you don't no one is yeah exactly you know exactly. <laughs> like, so i think you yeah. you elaborated on that and really just great ways there that <laughs> made me think about this excellent um, i i would also add another another small thing um yeah which i think applies to any any sort of marginalized group that you're trying to be an ally to and that is to listen to those people specifically mm-hmm. and yeah. to try not to take it personally if yeah. they point out something that mm-hmm. you fucked up Right. Yes. Because all yeah, of a sudden absolutely. you've gone from being a safe person to an unsafe person as soon as you right. as soon as you go on the defensive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and any any marginalized group, we are dealing with a lot of microaggressions all the time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a weight and it's a lot. And sometimes we handle things with more grace and sometimes with less right. grace. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think understanding that is important and understanding that if you really want to be a safe person, it isn't simply enough to not be a bigot. It's it's not even enough to to push back on the obvious bigotry. You also need to do some personal work and be mm-hmm. willing mm-hmm. to accept correction and be willing to yes. hear hear what you're being told. Um, yes and that's a that's, absolutely i believe that is a lifelong journey it takes humility yeah. it takes it takes a lot of effort it takes making mistakes um mm-hmm. and learning to sit with the discomfort of having made mistakes um right. but all of these things are also part of being an ally to to any group whether trans yeah. queer you know uh people of color indigenous folks black folks like all of all of the that applies to all of it yeah absolutely and you see so much of that like uh 
you know, people on the internet being like, oh, I, I was an ally, but then, you know, people were so mean. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm-hmm. fuck off. <laughs> if you were yeah. if being corrected mm-hmm. meant that you could not, like, support an entire group of people anymore. You were never... Mm-hmm. an ally but it is as you said like a it's a lifelong journey like nobody likes mm-hmm. to be corrected no it's embarrassing right. to be wrong mm-hmm. um but at the same time you know it's such an important element of understanding other people um yeah. <laughs> is to be able to go like ah fuck i didn't know that and that's on me mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and yeah. to to grow from that and not you know not then reject the, the people because you know mm-hmm. someone was too mean someone didn't phrase something the right way right <laughs> like know? i was having a bad day and so instead of gently correcting you and taking you aside i maybe snapped right like right yeah it's not something that i would want to do but like you know we're we are people too right <laughs> and so or, yeah or hell even if you do meet a trans person who's a complete asshole like right. we run the <laughs> gamut we're okay like yeah. <laughs> There's also plenty of cis people that are complete assholes, but you don't decide that cis people aren't allowed to exist or have rights anymore. (laughs) Right? And and maybe we shouldn't, let's be real, but (laughs) we're doing a terrible job with it. But, you know, nonetheless, we we persist. Uh, But no, I think that that, that's 100 percent true, too. It's allowing for, I mean, the range of experiences and personalities and things like that within Mm -hmm. a group where you know we do this like you said sort of with any marginalized group that a person or small group of people is expected to represent the entire group right as opposed to you know cishet white people get to be defined by the content of their character Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Nobody else does. The rest of us become representatives for our groups, yep. you know, just simply by the way we exist. And some of us are going to suck. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that is what it is. But that's not mm-hmm. how we decide people's humanity as a group based mm-hmm. on, you know, what certain people in a group are like. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we understand that when it comes to, you know, the larger groups of us. but. Mm-hmm tend to ignore that when it comes to the smaller ones yeah Um, yeah that whole model minority syndrome and all that right yeah exactly (laughs) um so like i said i do want to sort of close out on like a positive note on this because like Mm -hmm. i said again we do have gender non-conforming people who listen to us trans people listen listen to us and probably people who are journeying Mm -hmm. who listen to us or who know someone who is So if you could just tell me some things about trans joy, about gender euphoria, about the things that you have gained from this experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and thank you for asking that. Um, There is a perception that being trans is like tragic. Right. (laughs) That, oh, you poor thing about (laughs) just transness. It's so hard for you. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) pat on the head, right? Um, Yeah. And uh, actually, if I could, if I could tangent on that just very briefly. Please do. um, It's been very interesting part of my sort of transition journey that um, when people perceive me correctly as a male, Mm -hmm. uh, they confer upon me a certain level of respect 
which is mm. incredibly mm-hmm. fucked up. <laughs> right, yeah. And patriarchal. <laughs> the mm-hmm. contrast is noticeable, however, from how I was perceived before to how mm. I am now. Uh, people generally give me a little bit more grace to like find my footing in conversations. They mm. are more interested in what I have to say. It's so fucked. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're like mm. noticing so much about like the gender binary that mm-hmm. you know was, if yeah. not invisible before, more like holy shit i get to now see what this is really like yeah it's it's one of those things where like i was like i'm pretty sure that i'm experiencing misogyny but you know now i'm literally seeing from the other side oh yes i definitely was i'm the same person but right so anyway so there's that which is Mm. is i think um very telling of our society um and i i feel that i have a responsibility to also push back on to try Mm -hmm. and use what privilege that I have uh, in order to speak up for the folks who don't. Um, my trans feminine uh, siblings, that just means like trans person who's going like in the feminine, you know, direction. Uh, trans yeah. feminine siblings um, don't, they, they receive the exact opposite of that. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they deal plus the, the transphobia layered on top of it. Right. Right. Um, and so, so there's all of that. Um, but then as soon as people, find out that I'm trans, a lot of times that look of respect that they had a second mm. ago will shift to pity. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And uh, because, yeah, there's this understanding that, oh, your life must be so hard. It must be so difficult right. to be a trans person. And like, yeah, sure, there's a lot of shit we have to deal with. Um, most of that, though, is put on us by the people around us, by society, yeah. by, you know by all of these, these things, it's, has nothing to do with actually being trans. Um, right, yeah. being trans in and of itself is fucking beautiful. Mm. Um, <laughs> the journey of finding who you are and in spite of everything else that the world is telling you right. is, is a journey of self discovery that I wish on everyone it is so mm, cool mm-hmm. yeah. um you know obviously not the struggles i wouldn't wish that on anyone but the course, yeah. coming to yourself having the joy of being able to look in the mirror and for the first time see someone who i actually recognized mm, mm-hmm. is i don't know how to explain it i don't know how to describe yeah. it um the first time I put on a binder before I had top surgery was like, just, I just sat there in awe. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea. Actually. I sort of was like, I'm just going to try this and see what it's like. And I just like sat down on the floor and just stared. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) That's what I'm supposed to, that's what I'm supposed to look like. Like that's where I'm supposed to be. Um, it's, it's, it really is beautiful. Um, mm, it mm-hmm. is, yeah, there, there was more I was going to say, but I kind of lost my own train of thought be- thinking back on that moment. It's yeah. Of, I like... mean, that's so amazing. And such like a, I think one thing that's so beautiful about that is that our society, uh, makes us all so dissatisfied with our bodies, mm-hmm. right? Like most of us will yeah. never look in a mirror <laughs> 
and think, wow, <laughs> that's what I'm supposed to look like, right? Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's such a unique experience that is, I mean, you're talking about people looking at you and pitying you, and yet most of us will never feel the immense joy that you got from that because we're all so indoctrinated to hate mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. that like, how can you pity that someone actually looks at themselves and goes, holy fuck, I'm beautiful. Like that's an incredible <laughs> right. experience <laughs> to be yeah. able to have. It, it really is. It really is. Um, and, you know, obviously it comes with, for, for a lot of us, not, not every trans person um, experiences dysphoria. I will uh, throw that in as yeah. an important caveat. But for a lot of us, there is the flip side of that, which is we will also sometimes look in the mirror and feel the exact fucking opposite. Sure, right? yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and, you know, now that I'm perceived correctly as male i obviously will be like you know have the same sort of insecurities that any other dude would have too right Right, yeah that's all still there Mm -hmm. but but yeah it's an analogy that i have used um before to to describe this is when you play a video game and if it's a game that sort of loads you in with a default character Mm-hmm. Um, you have no connection to it, right? Where you're on right, the character yeah. creation screen or whatever, and it's just like it's just this thing that's just there, right? It has nothing yeah. to do with you. And if, it, but I've always really enjoyed like tweaking and making everything just perfect yeah. and really personalizing it and stuff, especially if it's an online game, so other people like see yeah. something of yourself in that. Mm-hmm. And I always had a very specific feeling from that and from being perceived online, like as this avatar. Yeah that I never had in real life. And having, you know, transitioned, I don't really like putting it in the past tense because it's it's sure. not really a thing that has a start and an end, but I right. am perceived the way I want to be perceived by and large, most of the time mm-hmm. by most people. Um, yeah. It feels, I get that same feeling of like, I, ha- I was living my whole life in like this default avatar that had nothing to do with me. Right, yeah. <laughs> that I was just sort of trying to live up to what other people yeah. expected of this avatar. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to deconstruct that and to reconstruct a person that represents who I actually am in the real world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I got to go to the character creation screen and like customize it. <laughs> and now like here I am and, yeah. and now I feel seen. Yeah. And it's, um, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that's a yeah, really beautiful absolutely. thing. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it's just, I feel like, you know, it, it, it's a journey, obviously. Like you said, something that's never like, and every, it's done now. And, yeah. and, you know, and there are so many things going on in the world. So much struggle and strife uh, regarding, you know, uh, trans people or regarding really anyone sort of uh, in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um you know, a lot of basically scapegoating happening right now. And I think, you know, it's just kind of important, as you have said here, to like talk about it, Mm -hmm. um, to hear your voice, to hear the voice of other people like you, um, because 
you know, the way that I've kind of looked at this is like Mark and I have made our position very well known Mm -hmm. on all of this. But at the end of the day, like, you know, without your voice as a part of this, like it's, you know, it's noise, (laughs) you know, it's Mm -hmm. us interpreting things as we do um, without having that sort of lived experience to, to base all of this on and to really like, you know, folks, what are your concerns and how can we, um, you know, be allies? I always feel like allies is such like a, I don't know, it's one of those terms that I struggle with because I'm like, so many people just like use it and it <laughs> feels yeah. meaningless to a degree. Like yeah. you said, it just mm-hmm. feels like it just means you're not a bigot. Like if you're not a bigot, you're de facto mm-hmm. an ally. And I feel like it is our job to be more than passive allies, that it is important for us to, you know, be proactive mm-hmm. um, in everything that's going on here. So I just really, I you know, I know that it takes emotional energy, you know, that it's labor to come mm-hmm. and like have a cis person ask you questions for <laughs> two hours about these kinds of things and stuff like that. So I'm just really grateful um, that you were willing to do that for me and for our listeners and yeah, just, <laughs> I love it. And I love you, Xander. <laughs> Thank you. I love you too, Corey. Um, <laughs> it's honestly, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, it is help. It, it does help me to feel a little bit more empowered when, you know, people actually give me a, a voice, like they actually right, listen, yeah. you know? Um, so it is, it, yes, it is labor, but it is also uh, helpful. Um, I would also just highlight the fact that I am a very privileged cis white trans man Mm -hmm. Um, and there are a lot of other voices in our community that also need to be heard Um, black trans women and trans feminine people are absolutely feeling the worst brunt of all of this absolutely Mm -hmm. Um, and uh they're the ones that the most violence is perpetrated against. Um, they, they have a lot of struggles that don't even, you know, my experience doesn't even scratch the surface of. Right. Um, so I want to throw that out there, uh, just as Mm, an mm -hmm. an acknowledgement and, um, an encouragement to listen to those voices as well. (laughs) For sure. Go further. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, non-binary folks as well have, very different struggles from the sort of binary, you know, cis passing uh, trans folks such as myself. Yes, right? yeah, um, definitely. A couple of my very close friends are non-binary and, um, you know, where I talk about, wow, I've had this experience of seeing the patriarchy from the other side. They're like, yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole like, other can of worms when yeah. you just opt out altogether mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah. so and they're often just forgotten in these conversations altogether yes. yeah absolutely so um those those voices are also very important uh to to seek out and and listen to um. yeah definitely <laughs> and i appreciate that yeah i think the invitation and the exhortation to go further with it i think is absolutely important so thank you for that yeah um, thank you where can people find you? I know that I have learned quite a bit from you uh, on the old interwebs. I know you have, uh, you're off the, the Twitter verse, but where yeah. can people find you if they want to hear more of your insights? Yeah, I um, I opted out of Twitter when uh, when Elon took over. I was like, I don't need any of that nonsense. I might go back That's eventually. Um, sure. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. I am shards of blue uh, everywhere, literally. Any Okay. 
<laughs> any platform i am shards of blue um i don't uh my my instagram is mostly just for my art as far as what i post um but i do post the occasional you know other activist type stuff on my stories there um and just my i life do love your art as well it's wonderful oh, thank to, you. <laughs> to look at as well if you like cute and uplifting things and lots of you know just that i've enjoyed like kind of watching the the things that you've been like working on mm. over over the years and seeing like various <laughs> things that you've like improved upon that i'm just like always like damn as <laughs> someone you. who wishes i could <laughs> i could draw better but doesn't have the discipline for that i'm always <laughs> deeply impressed by hey, your i mean i always art. enjoy your um your what, what's your halloween thing that you do cory can't draw halloween yes that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. i mean i i think you can actually draw halloween but <laughs> It depends. It's real. It's real <laughs> iffy on what my hand decides it's doing on a given day. <laughs> you know, I, I do have one thing that I could plug actually. Um, yes, if, please if, do. If that's cool. Uh, I I wrote a little a little zine of oh, yeah. like poetry and art that I was about my first year of transition. Um, it's very raw and vulnerable, um, but I put it out there with the hopes that it will help some other folks to to feel seen. Um, Love that. And maybe if yeah, i don't know maybe just understand our experiences a little bit better if if those experiences yeah. don't specifically resonate um and so uh you can find that on uh, gum road and that's also under shards of blue um excellent so and i will link that in the show notes for anyone who's sweet. interested as well <laughs> sweet and it's um it's a pay what you want so you can just download it or you can uh, give a donation uh, which is, of course, always appreciated, but not necessary. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I love that. So look for Xander on all of those things. Um, like I said, he's a great follow wherever you are. <laughs> and thank you again for, for coming in, jumping in in Mark's absence. Wonderful to have you. And dear friends, always wonderful to have you on board as well. Thank you for hanging out with us for another Jack of All Graves. Until next week, an important thing that I need you to do today and always is to stay spooky. Stay spooky.